What's up, gamers, and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am Hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer. And you have just stepped into my captain's quarters, my weekly gaming update show where I talk about my favorite gaming news topic of the past week, discuss what games I've been playing, give tips on some of those games, as well as issue a weekly relevant gaming-related decree. This week, I have three games that I'm most excited about coming from this year's Tokyo Game Show, so let's talk about them and dive right into the episode with my news catch of the week. Gamers, this past week we had a lot of really cool things that came out of Tokyo Game Show, and as much as I would love to cover every single little thing that came out of it, I have decided to choose three specific games that really got me excited and focus on those three for this episode. Now, the first game, it may surprise you based on my opinions of it a few months ago when we had the Square Enix Presents press conference that was around E3. And they first showed off this game visually, and there was a demo released. If you haven't figured it out yet, the first game on my list here is Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin. And if you didn't listen to that episode of mine, definitely check it out. I go into full detail on all the Square Enix announcements at that event. But as far as Stranger of Paradise specifically, in that episode, based on what we saw coming out of that event, I was extremely disappointed. I felt like the graphics looked kind of shaky, the voice acting was kind of rough, the combat looked very repetitive. It just, overall, it was just like, man, this is, I don't know, man, I, I want to be excited about this, but I'm really not. And then the demo came out, and as some of you may know, it was a pretty big disaster, to be honest. Now, yes, Square Enix has since... After that feedback came out, they fixed some things and extended the time of the demo that it was available. But now they've also released a new demo to coincide with this new trailer. And man, I cannot wait to check that one out based on what I saw at this event. Now with this newest trailer, whew, obviously it was so much better than the last one for me to be talking about the game like this and for it to be on my list here. It was mostly combat and splices of cutscenes, but man, guys, the character models look so good in this trailer. The lip syncing for the spoken American dialogue looked on track, and there were some cameos from Final Fantasy favorites like Cactar and who I believed at least to be a version of Ifrit and Shiva. All of them were showing up in this trailer. Now, I definitely liked what I saw, and it was not just the character models, but also the environments. The environments in this trailer, they were very much vibrant and bright and outside and showing the foliage and the greens, the grass and different forested areas. And, you know, the original trailer that we were talking about back in June, that was all much inside this kind of a castle dungeony type area and didn't really give the visuals a chance to be shown off. Also, the combat looks so much more fun and upbeat and just very frenetic in this trailer. So all of that right there just really accentuated and gained back my interest in this game. Now, if you didn't know, this premise for Stranger of Paradise, it is inspired by Final Fantasy 1, the original game in the series, and its setting is also based on that game. And in this game, we're going to find out who the Warriors of Light are, where they come from, and get a lot of that backstory that we just did not get in that original game. 
Now, the trailer did reveal the main character's name to be Jack Garland, which is, if you are hardcore Final Fantasy fans out there, and I love me some Final Fantasy, but I didn't even realize this, his name is Jack Garland, which is alluding to the fact that he may actually be related to the antagonist in Final Fantasy I, whose name was Garland. So a lot of really cool stuff here. I cannot wait to get my hands on the demo. It is literally installing as we speak. This game has got a release date from this trailer as well of March 18th, 22. So, less than six months away. Hopefully, it actually shapes up to be something really special. I mean, Team Ninja, the guys who did, Ninja Gaiden, I just, I absolutely love that series. I cannot wait to see if this new demo actually lives up to what I know is the potential and the capabilities of this development team. So Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin, first game on the list here. Second game that I wanted to talk to you guys about is Gungrave Gore. Now, this is the latest title in the Grave 3D action series, and it's being developed by Iggy Mob for pretty much all consoles. Current gen, last gen, you name it, it's coming out for it. And this title is going to center around Grave, the main character, obviously, of the series. So if you didn't know, he's a former Mafia member who died once and has returned after being resurrected through this surgical procedure that he goes through. He's acquired a stronger body in exchange for losing his memories. And as a result, he can now perform superhuman feats, etc., etc. Now, the trailer that we saw, it was a combination of cinematic and gameplay footage, and the first half of it was pure cinematic. It was the entrance of the main character, Grave, and the second half was pretty insane looking. Uh, it was just over-the-top action gameplay from a third-person perspective. Lots of shooting, some hand-to-hand -hand combat, and just explosions. Just explosions everywhere. It just, it was insane. Uh, I, I gotta tell you, if I could frame by frame go through that trailer and count the number of explosive barrels that were there, I would not <laughs> be shocked if it was in the high double digits. That's all I'm saying. But the game looked like a lot of fun. I'm not gonna lie. I love me some Devil May Cry. I'm really excited for Bayonetta 3, as I said last week. Onimusha from back in the day. The style of gameplay... I am really, really digging this style. And to be honest, it's also very similar to what Stranger of Paradise is doing as well. I don't know, guys. Maybe I just got this subliminal, some kind of messaging going on here that I really need to play this style of gameplay because I honestly haven't gotten lost into that kind of a game probably since Devil May Cry 5, which is coming up on two years now. So regardless, an interesting fact coming from this announcement, though, was Akumi Nakamura is involved in the game's development. Now, who is that, you may ask? Well, if you guys remember from uh, a couple of E3s ago, there was a Bethesda press conference and Tango Gameworks, the developer most well-known for doing the Evil Within games, she was the one who came on stage to unveil Ghostwire Tokyo, and she kind of hit it big on the social media scene for a little while with her spooky... Uh, tone of voice and just the way she said it and everything so really cool chick awesome looking game and she's actually there working as part of the development team on Gungrave Gore so that's actually really exciting uh, obviously her time and experience with the Evil Within series as well as what she had done on Ghostwire Tokyo before moving on 
Very exciting stuff as well. And just if you read interviews with her about Gungrave, she seems extremely excited, not just from a developer standpoint, but also from a fan of the series. So I thought that was actually pretty cool as well. But we didn't get a specific release date for Gungrave, just the vague sometime in 2022. But still looks really fun and really over the top. Now, the third and final game I wanted to talk to you about is Ayudin Chronicle Rising. And this is an action RPG, and it is a spinoff of the upcoming Ayudin Chronicle 100 Heroes. And this has been announced before this event, but it was a new gameplay trailer that highlighted three of the game's playable characters, JB, Isha, and Garu. JB is this athletic young girl, Isha is a magic wielder, and Garu could potentially become my favorite character in this game. He's an anthropomorphic kangaroo. And you might hear that and be like, what? But I'm not lying. Based on the trailer and the character design of him, I'm actually pretty interested, man. I'm, I'm going to be definitely keeping him around in my party. Now, these characters, they're going to meet up in a village called New Never. And what they do is pretty much explore ancient underground ruins that have recently been uncovered and unearthed by this earthquake. And when they're doing this, they're seeking out treasure and respectively, anybody who may have become trapped underground during that earthquake. Now, the gameplay shown off in this trailer, it is from a 2.5D perspective. It looks very fast-paced, and you obviously go from side to side, that side-scrolling movement of the camera, and the exploration and combat aspects of the game. Now, let me just say that the environments look absolutely gorgeous, and the boss battles that were shown in the trailer actually look like they'll be pretty fun to battle through. And the game is supposed to fill in some gap of time that we have to wait until 2023 for the release of the major epic in the series, 100 Heroes. And this game, Rising, is set to release in the spring of next year on all consoles, as well as also being confirmed at this event as a day one Game Pass title. Now, all three of these games... Very awesome looking. There was a lot of other great stuff, as I said before, at Tokyo Game Show. But these are the ones that really stood out to me and said, you know what? I really got to play. I really got to play these games. So that was my news catch of the week. Next up is a segment that I like to do once a year at the time of October and Halloween. And it's in this segment where each week for the month of October in celebration of the theme of horror... I will be taking a look at two survival horror or horror-themed games. One that I've actually recently just played, and a second that relates to that first, somewhat similarly in gameplay or thematic material. But regardless, every week for the month of October, every Captain's Quarters episode will have the segment of Terror on the Sea. The first game in this year's Terror on the Sea is Layers of Fear 2. The game was released in May of 2019. And guys, I just started playing it. I absolutely loved the first Layers of Fear. And these games are both developed by Bloober Team. 
honestly one of my favorite up-and-coming developers. They have created so many enjoyable experiences that I've had over the last few years between the Layers of Fear games, the Medium, just released now on PS5 as well, Blair Witch, even though there are some shortcomings there. But this specific segment, I would love to talk to you guys about Layers of Fear 2. Now, Layers of Fear 2 is very different from that original game. The original game had you playing as this tormented painter who is dealing with his inner demons at his family's estate. Layers of Fear 2 goes in a completely different direction. Brand new setting, brand new characters, no apparent relation to the original game. So this time, you're going to be making your way through a sinking ocean liner cruise ship as an actor who's trying to find his big break. But as you go through this sinking cruise ship, the whole time you're being tormented by this ever-present director that seems to be following the actor every step of the way. And we don't really get a full understanding of who this character that we're playing as is. And that's one thing I love about it, is it's through the movie posters of his career in the past that you find as collectible as as you're going through the ship and through the different notes and documents and shipping logs and all kinds of flashbacks and different scenarios that you go through that you find out who this actor is who the director is why these things are happening what caused the ocean liner to sink Woo! so many different mysteries here i loved the game's atmosphere of the ship and the backstory Bloober team just does a great job of pacing, building tension, and giving the player a sense of comfort, only to pull that rug from underneath you at that last second. Now, the game definitely got me to jump more than a few times, so I'm not afraid to admit, and Bloober team's talent with sound design is, yet again, fully on display in another game, just like the rest of them before this one. So this has been an absolutely terrifyingly good experience so far, and one that I cannot recommend enough this Halloween season, along with its predecessor, if you have not yet played it either. Now the second game in this week's Terror on the Sea ties into Layers of Fear 2 in the form of that ocean liner. That game is none other than Resident Evil Revelations. Now, this game was originally released in January of 2012 on the 3DS, no less. And then it made its way to console that following year in May of 2013. The game takes place shortly after the events of Resident Evil 4, and it follows the story of Jill Valentine and Chris Redfield as they attempt to stop this bioterrorist organization from infecting the Earth's oceans with a virus. Now, I didn't play this game, guys, until the 360 version released, but man, when I did... I was extremely satisfied as a Resident Evil fan. And the reason I say that is because before its release, we had to endure things like Resident Evil 5 and Operation Raccoon City and all these other offbeat games that were not Resident Evil going down this action path. I wanted survival horror. Keyword, horror. But man, it was not at all what I expected. And it far exceeded my expectations. It brought the series back to its horror roots 
over the action and excessive gunplay. As Jill, you are exploring this abandoned cruise ship that was supposedly Chris's last known whereabouts at the start of the game. And then he goes missing. The ship's a ghost ship of sorts, and it's full of twisted hallways, terrifying creatures, and interesting stories left by its passengers and notes and documents spread throughout. And I loved it. And after that disappointment that I talked about earlier in those previous games, it just felt so good to get back to what made me fall in love with Resident Evil. If you've never played this game, or if you're missing this part of the overarching Resident Evil story, or if you're just honestly a fan of survival horror, I highly recommend playing this game, as it is, in my opinion, an excellent beginning to bringing Resident Evil back from the action genre and returning it to its original terror roots. Gamers, it's time to open up my captain's log to see what games I've been playing this week. And the biggest game that I spent the most time in, <laughs> believe it or not, I got back to that amazing but extremely long Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Now, I have not played this game in eh, right at a month or so, but I've really, believe it or not, after 160 plus hours, I was actually jonesing to get back into Eivor's world and... You know, kind of being in between games at this point after completing Psychonauts 2 and Tormented Souls and before Far Cry 6 comes out this week and I got all uh, obsessed and wrapped up into that, I figured, you know what, what better time than now to jump back into Valhalla and try to clear out another story arc. So this go around, I was in the region of Lincolnshire. This is the region I chose to pledge to next and I gotta tell you, I... I'm so excited that I chose Lincolnshire because if you've been listening to the show, you'll know or remember hopefully that the last region or so that I went to, I felt like that regional identity is what I like to call it in this game. Every region has kind of a visual identity. The colors, the type of foliage, swamplands versus ocean and coastline. The last couple didn't really seem to have that for me or really resonate with me from a visual point of view. But Lincolnshire, I am extremely excited to say, brought it back. And it did it in such a fun way. It was the browns and the oranges and the dark greens of the leaves and the foliage. There were so many different ruins to explore of the different Roman ruin types or just forgotten cities or caves or all kinds of different secrets that were in this region that I loved getting to. And that's my favorite kind, where you're given all kinds of different things that just really kind of differentiate every section of this region. And I kind of try to like to look at each region as an individual game in a way, in and of its own self. And the best part about this region is not just that it brought back and regained and had a visual regional identity for me, but also its story arc I loved. Another issue I had with the last, most two recent regions that I went through were the story arcs. I just wasn't as gripped by them or didn't really resonate with me like most of the story arcs before them. But this one, I loved it. And again, it was one of my favorite kinds where you're given choices to make and you feel like those choices actually make a difference 
And that's story arc's outcome. I love it when you're actually the person making a decision on who's elected in what position or kill or not to kill. Those kinds of decisions, they made a resurgence here in this story arc. And it wasn't really just about that. It was also the characters in the story arc and the fact that this was all about a, a son whose father has gone ill and has lost his, really, his understanding of being able to make competent decisions. And you have people who are on the left trying to take advantage of that and use and abuse that opportunity to make decisions that will suit them. And the son sees this, but he's not powerful. He's not this really strong kind of a character to be able to do that with his personality. So he seeks out Eivor, who's already got this legend around England of this Dane who will take on armies and win for you. So he seeks out Eivor and the two of them go on this quest to get rid of these people who have exiled the son, get back his father and reclaim Lincolnshire for him and the swan lineage. I absolutely loved it. All I can say is I loved it. So at the end of the day, that is what I spent the bulk of my time on this past week was playing through the story arc in the region of Lincolnshire. But I will say, next up is my highlight of the week, which also comes from Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Gamers, as much as I loved exploring Lincolnshire and experiencing its story arc this past week, before going to Lincolnshire, I actually was in a different region finalizing a few things before crossing that border into Lincolnshire. And the region that I was in was Essex. And I wanted to mop up some of the final icons off the map that I had left over in Essex. Those icons being the world events and the wealth and artifacts. Now, most of the time, I'm just kind of running around going from icon to icon on the map, which is all I was really doing here. But during this process, I discovered another Hidden Ones Bureau. And I got to tell you, yet again, I loved every second of its exploration. Now, this one, it was really cool to me because it was located in a sewer system that I just, again, I stumbled upon it, just stumbled upon it when I was traversing Essex. And that's the one thing I love about these bureaus. One of them, at least, is that my experience with them has been that most of the time, you just stumble across them. They're never going to pop up until you come into that area. You're not going to be able to find them pop up on your map as an icon beforehand. And I love that sense of discovery and surprise every single time with them. And half the time, I don't even know at first that it's a bureau that I'm exploring or going underground into these tunnels until I've found and come across that first hanging banner with the assassin symbol on it. Man, it's always such a cool feeling when I see those. I'm like, yes, it's a Hidden Ones Bureau. Now, this bureau specifically, it was full of stuff that I love. It was dark, which requires Eivor to carry a torch most of the time throughout his exploration. And, you know, for me, I've said it before numerous times in the show, I don't know what it is. I love exploring caves and dank, dark caverns while carrying a torch. I don't get it, but it is something that resounds with me. So 
Bottom line is it has that in this temple, as well as sewer tunnels and rooms, some of them which were flooded. So I had to swim underwater to access certain rooms to get keys to unlock doors and get treasures and different things like that. So again, I love swimming in any video game. I love swimming. I don't know. I love exploring underwater. So here we go. We got torches. We got swimming underwater. Well, we also have some climbing and parkouring. It was just a nice mixture of everything. It was a beautiful, beautiful Hidden Ones Bureau. Then to top it off, though, you have the notes and the documents. And I love in any game that I play reading notes and documents. And you can read, obviously, these that are in any Hidden Ones Bureau. It's always kind of explaining the reasoning why that sect of Hidden Ones left the area as well as I always think it's kind of cool. Usually there's like a contract for an assassination that's left behind and you can read what the contract was for, or who was supposed to carry it out or whether it was successful or not. Just really cool stuff. And I, I cannot forget about the final piece here, which is that piece of Hidden One's armor that I got as well this time, which I cannot wait to get that full set of armor. I only need one more piece and then I will be upgrading that bad boy all the way to mythical. Woo! Man, it's just it's just good stuff. So for now, though, the flawless magistrate armor still me doing me quite well. But I love the hidden ones bureaus, and that was my highlight of the week. Now let's go check out some buried treasure gaming tips I have for you in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Gamers, if you've played Assassin's Creed Valhalla, then you'll know that the game is full of abilities that you can acquire by one means or another. But I got to tell you, this past week, I came across, <laughs> with this upgrade that I will tell you how to get, my favorite ability in the entire game so far. And this is 165 hours in. This is the ability that has just, oh man, <laughs> I don't see it getting any better than this. So the ability is the upgrade to the Harpoon Impalement ability. And you get this from a book of knowledge. And that book is going to be located in Sancta Helena's church at the top floor of that church's main tower. And this is going to be in Essex. So to enter, you're going to need to collect that Sancta Helena church key. And it's on the side of the church of the opposite of the tower is actually going to be a small room. And the only way you're going to get in there is you got to find the shelf outside of the building and drag it away from the wall to reveal a window. You break the window, you collect the key inside. Then you can enter the tower by unlocking that front door. You pull the shelf over to help you reach the ladder. You go to the second floor. You shoot the clamp to release the next ladder. And you reach the top floor where you will find that book of knowledge and also the Essex hoard map. So if you're really big into trying to get all the treasure maps and the treasure hoards that are throughout the game for you, there's the next hoard map for Essex. Absolutely love the Harpoon Impalement. Oh, with that upgrade, it is just pretty BA. I'm sorry, but it's just, you feel like Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. I can't express it any other way. Eivor launches the harpoon, yanks the enemy towards him or her, and then just chops their head off with an axe. It's just, oh man, it feels pretty awesome. Especially in the middle of a heavy hand-to-hand -hand combat melee when you have five or six enemies around you and you're just, man, going add it with an axe and the next thing you know guys running at you're trying to swing at you and you launch that harpoon and mm, it's, it's just a very very satisfying ability so if you're looking for that book of knowledge for that specific upgrade there you go 
Now, let's go check out this week's Captain's Decree. Gamers, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but in the last couple of episodes of Captain's Quarters, there's been quite a few games that I've referenced or discussed that I'm very excited for, all of which happen to be given, at this point in time, a release window or date in spring of 22, February, March of 22, and the first half, really, essentially, of 22, it is extremely, extremely busy. So my captain's decree this week, I'm asking, is early 22 getting too crowded? Let me just go through some games that are coming out in the first half of 2022, as of the time of this recording, obviously. And just, you you tell me. So Elden Ring, January 22nd. Horizon and Saints Row in the month of February. Gran Turismo 7, Midnight Suns, and Stranger of Paradise in March. Ayudin Chronicle Rising, Forspoken, Ghostwire Tokyo, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, Bayonetta 3. Gamers, I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to just sit here and ramble off all these games. But that's just a handful. Now look, I am not naive here. I have followed gaming for way too long to know that... <laughs> There's going to be delays. It's going to happen. I don't know how many of these we're going to have delayed. But I'm really hoping that the summer months get some love. And that some of these games are stretched out over the course of the year. Instead of being clumped together at the beginning. Because I don't know about you gamers out there. I don't have enough time as it is right now to get through everything that I want to. So to add on top of that, this just megaton of games that are still just going to keep coming and coming. I don't know what I'm going to do, guys. I I really don't know. So I would say that, yes, as of right now, in my opinion, the beginning of 22 is looking pretty packed for this gamer. So what do you guys think? Would you prefer to have everything drop at once and then just kind of get to them as you can at your leisure? Would you rather have them spread out throughout the course of the year? Only time will tell if we have to make that decision. That'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can join its crew by searching for Hulking Yoda on the Xbox and PlayStation Networks. Reach out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com as well as find me on social media on Instagram at Lost at Sea Gaming and on Twitter at Lost at Sea, G-A-M-I-N, the number one. Thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing. <laughs>